You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. I'm glad when I was a boy, Jesus passed by 229 Victory Street in Rockford, Illinois, and I got saved. My dad led me to the Lord and I ran up the stairs. My parent, the, the house there was kind of a little unique because you come in the main level and then you went, went through the main level and then you went down the stairs to the addition where the bedrooms were at the time. And I was down there in my parents' bedroom and I knelt beside the bed and prayed and got saved and went up and told my mom. And uh, remember that. That's a good thing to do when you get saved. You tell somebody about it. And I'm glad that Jesus passed by. And the great thing is, he not only passed by, but once he passed by, he came to live inside of me. And I'm glad he hasn't left me since. And he'll never leave me and never forsake me. And I thank the Lord for that. Let's take our Bibles to Jeremiah 36. We'll dismiss the teens uh, to go with Brother Nathan and Miss Grace for your service. And um, I hope you have a great service. Good group of teens. We've got some back here. We've got some up here and uh, back here. And praise God for our young people. And uh, what a blessing you are. Jeremiah 36 in your Bibles. The Bible says in verse number one, it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord saying, take thee a roll or a scroll of a book and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel and against Judah and against all the nations from the days I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even until this day, it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them. Verse 3, that they may return every man from his evil way that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. And let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we ask that you'd speak to our hearts from this passage of Scripture. Uh, Lord, I have been amazed in studying the book of Jeremiah, uh, how that these words were penned back in Jeremiah's day, and they were delivered to the people of Judah so many years ago. But I'm amazed at how applicable these words are and how powerful these words are today. And Lord, how much I need these words. And I pray that our church, I pray that the folks that are here in this auditorium, those that are watching, those that are listening to this service, I pray that the word of God would once again, I pray that it would come alive. I pray that it would pierce our hearts and I pray that it would soften our hearts and I pray that it would break our hearts and I pray that it would uh, find a lodging place in our hearts that we might live it and take it with us. We thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the blessing it's been already to be in your house tonight. I pray now that you'd give us what we need from the word of God in Jesus name. Amen. I want you to notice in this passage, and this is a, a little bit longer chapter. I'm going to try to get through it off. I don't, then we'll just finish up another time. But I want you to notice first, in these first few verses, the Bible says that the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim. Now hold your place there in chapter 36 and turn back with me, if you would, to chapter 32. Notice Jeremiah 32 in verse number one. The Bible says the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, 
which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. Turn back with me, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter 28. Jeremiah 28, in verse number one, it says that it came to pass the same year in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year, in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Asia, the prophet, uh, which was of Gibeon, spake unto me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priests and all the people, uh, saying, verse number, chapter 27, in verse number one, the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, came this word unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, notice Jeremiah 25 and verse one, the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. We see in these chapters, we see different times. And in this case, 25 and 36, it was the same year. But we see that the word of the Lord came to Jehoiakim at a certain time, and it came to Zedekiah at a certain time. We've seen throughout the book of Jeremiah that there were different times. One time was when uh, Nebuchadnezzar came to attack. Another time was when the children of Judah were in the middle of a drought or in the middle of a dearth. And what I want to, to say to us and what I want to get across to us this evening in the introductory thoughts is I want to remind you that God is still speaking today. God has a message for all people at all times and in all places. I may come to you and maybe we're talking about a, a, a church business issue and I may say this applies for right now, but it may not apply for the next business meeting. It may not apply for the next year. It may not apply to another church. It may not apply in another state. But can I tell you, I am so glad that we have a Bible that is good for all times, for all people, for all places, and through all situations. I'm amazed at the things that I'm going through in life, and I'll read the Bible. And when I read the Bible, guess what? God's got something in that book exactly, specifically for me. You say, well, how in the world does God do that? Because He is all-knowing, omniscient, He is all-powerful, and He has given us a book that is alive. Now, I am not, I am not trying to offend anybody by these statements, but when you and I were growing up, you learned some nursery rhymes, perhaps. You learned some nursery rhymes, you know, um, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Um, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Did I say that right or did I miss something? You think I got it? I'm so impressed. And I know you're, you're amazed with the intellect that you're seeing uh, demonstrated tonight by the, these nursery rhymes. But you know, uh, Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown and Jill came tumbling after. Now, you know what's funny is a lot of these nursery rhymes, they've got other meanings, right? You know about that. But here's what's amazing is you maybe memorize some of those things and those don't help you a whole lot in life. But I'll tell you what, you memorize the Word of God and you let the Bible get in you 
and it'll help you. It'll make a difference. It'll be what you need because this book is alive and it is powerful. And this book has the answers. We see that God speaks to his people at all times, in all places, in all situations. But notice verse 2. God told Jeremiah, he said, take a roll or this, another word for a scroll. Here's what's amazing to me. I did not bring a scroll tonight. Did anybody bring a scroll? Has anybody got Jeremiah 36 open by way of a scroll? No? Okay. Um, I have a Bible I've got with ink and, and, and paper. Um, they also, the Word of God at times, was, was carved on a table of stone. Um, any, I know some of you may have a tablet, but I don't mean electronic tablet. But anybody have a table of stone here tonight? No? You know what's amazing, though? It doesn't matter if the Word of God's written on a stone, if it's written in a scroll, if it's written on parchments, if it's written in a book. doesn't matter if it's on a computer screen. Doesn't matter if it's on a, a, a screen in an auditorium. Doesn't matter if you're reading it on your cell phone. Doesn't matter if you're reading it on a, an iPad. It doesn't matter uh, if you're hearing it uh, from a radio broadcast or if you're hearing it from a, a, a live stream. It doesn't matter. However, the word of God gets across, it's still powerful. God's word is not limited by technology. It's not limited by a lack of technology. Now, I'm thankful for technology. I'm thankful we can use all that. But the power is not in the technology. The power is in the Word of God. And I'm thankful that the Word of God has the answers. Let me say this, since I mentioned technology. I prefer, and we've got preachers that come, and we've got preachers that will use an iPad to preach for their notes, and I, I, it doesn't bother me. Uh, some, I know we've got some church members who uh, sometimes they'll bring a, a tablet to church because they've got the Bible on their tablet. That's okay with me. My preference is a Bible. And for me personally, I'll tell you one reason why. If I've got the Bible, I'm focused on the Bible. If I've got my cell phone or I've got a tablet, I'm focused on the Bible until a text message comes through. You know what I mean? Or until a notification comes up. Or until I start thinking, you know, I wonder what, what the score was of that game. But when you've got the Bible, now besides a, a mind that can still wander or maybe you're, you're tired and you fall asleep, there's not a whole lot of distractions. You can stay focused. And I love it. I love it when we come to church and I love it when we bring our Bibles. You know what we're doing? We're sending a message. Uh, to our children. We're sending a message to our neighbors. We're sending a message to God's people that this book right here is still the thing that governs our life. It's not our experience. It's not our knowledge. It's not all the things we've accomplished. Oh no, we're living every day. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I think also it's a good idea to have a Bible so you can pass it down to your children someday. We had that service uh, here a week and a half ago for Miss Linda Banty. And it blessed my heart when one of her granddaughters spoke up and said, Pastor said we were going through her Bible. She said, there's so many things marked. There's so many verses. There's so many uh, uh, highlights. There's just so much. Can I tell you, that's a treasure that you can pass down. Uh, but the Bible is not limited by technology. The Bible is still powerful. If you're taking notes tonight, I'm going to give you quite a few just uh, tidbits to jot down. But number one, we see in this passage the power and the relevance 
of the Bible. I'm thankful the Bible is still powerful and it is still relevant today. Hallelujah for that. Verse number three. I want you to see the purpose of the Bible. The purpose of the Bible in verse number three, it says that it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil or all the, the judgments that I purpose to do unto them. God said, I'm going to judge them and I want them to hear it. And here is the reason that God wanted his people to hear. It says in verse three that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Did you know the purpose of the Bible is so that you and I will hear it, we will turn back to God, and we will be forgiven of our sins. God doesn't give us this book just so he can beat us over the head with it. God gives us this book because he wants us to get right. He wants us to have joy and peace and happiness, and he wants to have a life that's blessed. He wants us to have a life that's free from the consequences and the scars and the pain of sin. And so the purpose of the Bible, if you'll jot it down, number two, the purpose of the Bible, it is for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3, 16. That's the purpose of the Bible. So if you're reading the Bible and it's not changing you, it's not leading you, it's not directing you, then you're missing the purpose of the Bible. The Bible is not a book to read just to say we've read it. It's not a book to memorize just so we can stand up and impress people with our great Bible memorization. This book, is, its purpose is to transform our lives. That's why God gave it. Number two, the purpose of the Bible. Number, uh, let's go look at verse number four. I want you to notice we find the man named Barak in verse number four, it says, Then Jeremiah called Barak, the son of Neriah, and Barak wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord, which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. You know what's amazing to me is we don't hear a lot about Barak, but did you know that Barak is the one that actually wrote down every word that Jeremiah spoke. Now, God's the one that gave the words to Jeremiah. But Jeremiah spoke the words, and Barak is sitting over there as fast as he can write. He is saying, Jeremiah, slow down a little bit, man. I got to get all this. And he wrote down every single word. Now, I know that the Bible is the word of God, and I know that God would have preserved it for us somehow. But aren't you thankful for a man by the name of Barak? who wasn't in the spotlight, who wasn't the one that was preaching the messages, who wasn't the one who was getting the prophecies from God, but he found his role. He found his niche. He found his calling and he stayed faithful to what God had called him to do. It would have been very difficult for Jeremiah to accomplish what he did had it not been for a man like Barak. Number three, if you're taking notes, I wanna say this. I believe every one of us should find our role and fulfill it. Find your role and fulfill it. Can I say this? Sometimes people look at the pastor and they say, oh yeah, boy, that pastor, boy, he can do a lot of stuff. Well, I'm glad I got you fooled. There's not a lot of stuff I can do. There's a lot of stuff I can't do. 
You know what I can't do? I can't do what some of our sound men and our video guys do. I don't know how to do that stuff, but I'm thankful we got some guys that do that. So you folks that are watching online, you wouldn't be watching online if we didn't have some guys who were faithful in that sound booth and running those video cameras every single service. Those you listening on the radio, can I tell you, there's somebody right now in that radio room who knows how to do it, who knows how to make sure that it is operating correctly. And I don't know how to do that, but somebody does. And they found their role. Can I tell you, my role is not to play the piano. We'd be doing a lot of acapella. Let me just tell you that right now. And uh, aren't you glad we have some piano players? Miss Phyllis, who's here, and Miss Lydia, and Miss Odell. And if I'm missing a piano player, I'm not doing it intentionally, but I see those for sure. I'm thankful we got some folks who know how to play the piano. Can I tell you, they have found a role that most of us can't do. And can you imagine what a service would be like? Just think about one service without a piano. Can I tell you? And I know God can still use it and all that, but it'd be depressing. It would, it would be, I don't mean boring, like I know it's still we're worshiping the Lord, but it would be, be difficult to not have a piano. I think about hearing these men playing the instruments, Brother Walter and Brother Ricky. Can I tell you, I don't know how to play those instruments. But these guys, they, have, they are incredible. And you know what they've done? They've found their role. I think about the nursery workers that we have. I think about the children's workers that we have. We got, we got them all right now. They're in the nurseries. They're in the master clubs. And you know what these dear folks have done? They have found their role. And they are fulfilling their role. You know what? They don't get the spotlight unless something goes wrong. And you know that's true. You know when we normally notice a nursery worker or a Sunday school teacher or a bus worker or a sound man or someone like that? You know when we usually notice? When something goes wrong. But what we don't notice is that week after week, after service, after service, they are faithful, they're in their place. Can I tell you, Barak was not getting a lot of recognition, but he was faithful to his role. I want to say this, number three, find your role and fulfill it. Finding your role and fulfilling your role, number one, it requires patience. Can I tell you, it, Barak, it may have sounded glamorous at the beginning when Jeremiah said, Barak, I need you to write some stuff for me. And Barak's like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I'm getting to write for Jeremiah. You know how long Jeremiah's ministry lasted? About 50 years you know how many sermons he preached? A lot. You know how much writing Barak had to do? A whole lot more than you or I could do, I'll guarantee you. But he did it. it. Takes patience. Finding your role and fulfilling your role requires dedication. It requires humility. Don't you know Barak, every time he was writing this, he's like, wait a minute. How come it says Jeremiah's name every time? How come my name isn't getting mentioned a whole lot? It takes some humility just to say, hey, we're not in this to bring glory to ourselves. We're not in this to make a name for ourselves. We're in this so that people know about our Savior. We're doing this so people will get saved and people will glorify God. It requires commitment, a commitment to excellence. Again, I understand that this is the word of God and God preserved his word. But you know, Barak didn't have the option of paraphrasing. Barak didn't have the option of saying, Jeremiah, that's kind of a long, kind of a long message. Can't we kind of shorten it? Oh, no. Every word. He said, okay, that's what God said, Jeremiah. I'm writing it down. Can I tell you, every one of us ought to find our role. Many of you have found your role. 
But maybe you're here tonight and maybe you haven't found your role. Maybe you haven't found your niche. Can I tell you? Find your role. Find the place that God has for you and stick with it till Jesus comes. Find it and fulfill it. Notice with me, verse number five. Are we all doing okay tonight? Is it too cold in here? Is it too cold? How many of you are too cold? Anybody too cold? All right, I see people fanning themselves. How many of you are too warm? Let me see your hands. All right, okay. Okay, I've got a few on the outsides there. And we've got a few motors going where it's, we're fanning harder. How many of you, it's just about perfect sleeping temperature right here. This is, this is about, there we go, I wonder. Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. Oh, well, I tell you what, if you do fall asleep, since you're at, in your comfort zone, we'll let you sleep a while before we wake you up. Uh, but we will wake you up before we lock up tonight and make sure you get home. Uh, no, no, notice verse number five. The Bible says, and Jeremiah commanded Barak saying, I am shut up. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. Therefore, go thou and read in the roll which thou hast written from my mouth the words of the Lord in the ears of the people in the Lord's house upon the fasting day. And also thou shalt read them in the ears of all Judah that come out of their cities. It may be that they will present their supplication before the Lord and they will return every one from his evil way for great is the anger and the fury that the Lord hath pronounced against his people. So Barak gets an opportunity because Jeremiah is locked up in jail. He can't go out and deliver the message in the temple. And so he says, Barak, this is your opportunity, buddy. I got a message for you. And guess what? You're going to preach it because we want people to get right with God and we want people to come back and turn back to God. And he said, Barak, this is your opportunity. I don't know, but I imagine Barak was probably thinking, it's about time. I've been writing these messages long enough. It's about time I get to preach one of them. And he goes to deliver the message. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself. It didn't go over very well. As a matter of fact, this message we'll see in a few moments or maybe not a few moments. Maybe we'll see it next week. This message got all the way to the king himself. And the king sliced it into shreds with a penknife, threw it into the fire and said, go find Jeremiah and Barak now. So Barak is thinking, you know what, Jeremiah, I might leave the preaching up to you. At least before, I wasn't getting in trouble, but now I'm in, I'm in the middle of this too. But Jeremiah was confined. He was, he, he was not able to deliver the message, but the word of God was not bound. Jeremiah, he was confined, but the Bible was not confined. The Bible was still powerful, even though Jeremiah was powerless. I want you to write down, if you're jotting notes, number four, never underestimate the power of the Bible. Never underestimate the power of a gospel tract. Never underestimate the power of preaching. You say, I've got a coworker, I've got a friend, or I've got somebody, and they're the hardest uh, uh, heart, and they're the worst sinner. Can I tell you, the Bible has the power to change and to save from the uttermost, God's word can do that. Never underestimate the power of the Bible. 
Verse number six, he sent Barak to the temple to read the message. The goal again, verse seven, we read it, but the goal was for people to get right and people to turn back to God and for the nation of Judah to be spared from the judgment of God. Verse number eight, and Barak, the son of Neriah, did according to all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading in the book the words of the Lord in the, where? Lord's house. Isn't that interesting? I want you to jot down number five. Did you know that God's people need preaching? He, Jeremiah didn't send Barak. He said, go out there to those heathen out there in the bars. Now, by the way, the people in the bars need preaching. The people in the bars need to be saved. I'm not suggesting you go to the bars, in the bars, and preach to them in the bars. But I'm saying those people need preaching. They need Jesus too. Uh, the, the people that are down and out and the people that are living wicked, those people need preaching. But can I tell you who else needs preaching? We do. And if you say, oh no, I don't need preaching. Well, I got news for you. You need it more than any of us. Because you're so proud or you're so arrogant or you're so, you're so ignorant that you don't even realize it. But can I tell you, we all need preaching. We need the preaching and the people that needed preaching, in this case, Barak went to the house of the Lord. God said, told his people in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, he said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. You know what that means? That means that sometimes it's God's people that are wicked. Sometimes it's God's people that are proud. Sometimes it's God's people that need the preaching the most. And Jeremiah sent Barak. He said, I want you to go and I want you to deliver the message in the temple. Notice verse number nine. And it came to pass in the fifth year of Jehoiakim. Now, whoa, whoa, go back to verse number one. It came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim. So I don't know if it just took Barak that long to write this. I don't know if it take, took him that long to get up the courage. I don't know if it took him a year to get the green light from God. But for whatever the case, the message came in the fourth year. But here we are in verse number nine. It says it came to pass in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month that they proclaimed a fast before the Lord to all the people in Jerusalem and to all the people that came from the cities of Judah unto Jerusalem. And then at that point, read Barak, in the book, the words of Jeremiah in the house of the Lord, in the chamber of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, the scribe, in the higher court, at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house in the ears of all the people. Now I want you to think about this. In verse number nine, it was a year later from the time that God had given Jeremiah the message. It was a whole year later, but the message was still relevant and the message was still important and the message was still powerful and the bible says at this point that there was a fast before the lord that was called for all the people and you know what these people did they went they went to the temple they said yep we need to be there they're having a fast, they're having a service, they're having a, a special time of gathering. And so these people, they went to the temple for the purpose of a fast. And I want to ask you a question. Why did they go? These were people that were backslidden. 
These were people that had turned away from God. Why did they go to the temple? Why did they go for this religious event? I think perhaps they were just going through the motions of religion. Can I tell you, I don't believe it's true at Victory Baptist Church with everyone by any stretch of the imagination. I think there's a large percentage of people that come to church who come because they want to be at church and they want God to speak to them and they want to do something for God. But can I tell you, in our nation, I believe there's a lot of people that just go to church, just going through the motions. And maybe you've been there, man. I know I've been there at times where I'll get out of church and I'll say, what just happened? Why didn't I get anything out of it? Why did I sing all the songs and I never even thought about the Lord? I never really thought about praising God. Why did I sing all these songs and I, I didn't even really think about why I'm here and what I'm singing and what I'm doing? Or maybe you've been through a message and the message is over and you're like, what did he just talk about? And can I tell you, if you've ever been there, I'm glad you're still coming to church. I'm glad you're still in church. Don't stop coming to church. But we don't come to church just to go through the motions. We don't come to church just to punch our spiritual time card. We don't come to church just to try to impress people. We come to church because we want to worship the Lord and we want our lives to be pleasing to Him. But maybe these people were just going through the motions. Maybe it eased their conscience. Maybe they said, you know, if we go for this, this event, then maybe we won't have to go for a while. Maybe that was their reason. I don't know what their reason was. Maybe it made them feel better about themselves. Whatever the reason, I don't know, but I know this. These people were backslidden, and they still went to the temple. Let me say this, number six. Don't let your Christian life become a ritual or a routine. And that's easy to happen. And you know how it happens sometimes? It happens because you do go to church every Sunday. And you do go to church on Sunday night. And you do go to church on Wednesday night. And you do read your Bible every day. And you do pray every day. And you should do those things. But here's the danger. It becomes routine. And we no longer put our heart into it. And we no longer let God speak to us. As a matter of fact, we come in and we sit in the service and, and, and there might as well be a wall between us and the preacher. And there might as well be earplugs in our ears because although we're hearing noise, we're not letting God speak to us. And I'm not saying that you listen because of who's preaching. I'm saying you listen because of what's being preached. And I'm saying that if it's the word of God, we need it every service. And let's not go through the motions. Let's not go through the ritual. Let's not go through the routine. Let's not become spiritual robots that although we might be doing all the right things on the outside, our heart is a million miles away from where God wants it to be. You say, is that possible? It's exactly what happened to Judah. God's people going to the temple, but they got into the routine. It all became a ritual. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at 
vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.